you have your Bible, uh, turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 uh, this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. We're going to look at some verses at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 tonight, and uh, we'll look at some more, uh, some other familiar verses as well tonight, but let's pray, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll get into the message this evening. Heavenly Father, again, it is such a privilege to have the opportunity to come and to gather in this place. Thank you for these dear ones who've come out tonight, Lord, and we certainly uh, are thankful that we have a, a, a church house that we can come to, that we can gather and assemble. Thank you for these ones that are here. We pray for the many unable to be with us tonight, Lord, you know uh, every need, and I pray that you'd uh, work in hearts and lives as only you can, and and, uh, different situations and things like that. I pray that we would uh, heed the instruction of the song that we just sang, and that we would uh, bring our burdens uh, to you, uh, Lord, and, and lay them off, and allow you to lift us up, and thank you for your continued watch care over us i pray now that you just speak to our hearts tonight give us what we need help us we pray in jesus name amen Amen. so we've been uh looking and we are still looking at this matter of from victim to victor we've been talking about how the lord gives and guides and guards our lives by his grace and his power and this is not a walk of selfish flesh it's a walk of submissive faith and in part one we started with a look at the edge we we saw in the psalms where it said and they were at their wits end we talked about the pressures and hurts that we face in life that push us to acknowledge uh the edge in this matter of this victim mindset and in part two we talked about the enemy Uh, You know that we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And our, our enemy wants us to focus so hard upon our circumstances that our faith is crushed along the way. In parts three and four, we talked about the error. There were two things that we considered that will lead us away from victory. The first one we looked at in part three was the pride of heart that uh, trusts our will and our wants and our way over what the Lord teaches us. And instead, we find victory in the position of humility, not in the pride of heart. And the second error that we talked about last week was the pursuit of happiness that seeks after feelings rather than having a possession of holiness that stands upon faith. Uh, if I was able tonight, and I, I should have printed it out and I should have brought it, I, I saw uh, a, a little graphic today that talked about this matter of secularism. And it is very prominent in our day. And secularism's primary goal is feelings. And uh, the next goals are, you know, and it goes on and on. And it, it's, when you look at it, it's very selfish. In nature, it's not selfless, it's not submissive, but they talk about that the ultimate goal is happiness. And we talked about that. There's, there's nothing wrong with happiness, 
but when you pursue it in and of itself, it seems it could never uh, be found. We talked about that last week. So tonight, we're going to uh, move into part five of our study, and we're going to consider the matter of the expense. The expense. Here's the truth for you tonight. Whether you choose to be a victim, whether you choose to be a victor, there is a price tag attached to both. No matter how you live this life, it will cost you something. And so we're going to talk most of all tonight about the right expense. We're going to talk about the victory expense. So look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, uh, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Well, that's a good picture image for you there you say what does that look like have you ever walked seen somebody walk through a cobweb and for the next 10 minutes they're beating the air verse 27 but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway so here uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he paints for us a picture, and we're going to uh, step through these verses tonight, and I want you to consider four things about the expense of the effort. Actually, there are five things, but uh, four, and then that will lead us uh, to our final thought this evening. So number one is this. When we uh, consider the text that we just read and it comes about the when when it comes around about this matter of the expense of the effort. Number one, there is a delightful prize. There is a delightful prize. Verse twenty four. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Might I remind you tonight? You will not go. From victim to victor by accident. You must and I must realize the need that we have for a right focus and a reliable faithfulness. You can turn if you'd like, but we're going to look at some verses in Hebrews chapter 12. You probably uh, will know them as I read them to you tonight. But Hebrews chapter 12, when we talk about number one, this delightful prize, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The first thing that we have to know when it comes to this matter of having the victory mindset is to remember that there is a delightful prize. 
We all have our race to run. Let me help you tonight. You're not running my race. And I'm not running your race. But we're all living the life we're supposed to now according to the will of God, according to the Word of God, as we now endeavor to do the work of God that He has set us out to do. And when I think about that, it's it becomes pretty special to me. Because it says that in our in our verse, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. But then he says this, he says, so run. He doesn't say beat everybody. He doesn't say knock everybody out of the race. He just says, so run that ye may obtain. Here's the neat thing. Since you don't run my race and I don't run your race, I have one race and it's a one-person race. And guess what? If I cross the finish line, there's a prize. And the same goes for you. And so there is a delightful prize. And when we think about Jesus now, He was the only one that could do uh, what He did there as we see in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And so it says, looking unto Jesus, He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. And there was joy set before Him. That's why He endured the cross. He saw the prize at the finish line. So there's a delightful prize. Number two, there is a diligent patience. There's a diligent patience. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, now Paul is talking about the lost and the saved here. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. You know those treasures on earth that uh, rust and corrupt and fade away. This is, but we an incorruptible. But you have to understand this matter of patience that's so important. So we're in this race. Now, let me give you one more thing. Let me back up about the prize and help you. Since you don't run my race and I don't run your race, you know what that means? I'm not competing against you and you're not competing against me. And so we can cheer each other on as we run together. That's the good thing. But there's a diligent patience. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it. So it says there's some, you know what, that they're going to strive for the mastery to uh, now receive a corruptible crown. That's where their focus is on the things of this world. But we an incorruptible. So you have to understand tonight, we're not going to complete the journey of a lifetime in a matter of a few hours or a few days. That's why it's the journey of a lifetime. That means that you and I need to prepare ourselves. Wait a minute. That means we need to pace ourselves as well. There needs to be a diligent patience. Hebrews chapter 12 again in verse 1 says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So there's a delightful prize. There's a diligent patience. But think with me about number three. There's a definite purpose. There's a definite purpose. Verse 26 of 
1 Corinthians 9, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Do you realize that you can wear yourself out fighting against the wrong things? Wait a minute. Even fighting against nothing. Think about that race again. When you think about a foot race, and that's what Paul is alluding to here, that's the picture that he wants us to get in our mind. There is a starting line. There is a finish line. And between the two of them, you realize they're not in the same place. There is a course along the way. There is a distance to go as you go from start to finish. Now think about this race and this starting line. And, and as we said, the finish line, the starting line, they're not in the same place. They're not the same line. And at that starting line, you know, the, the starter guy could shoot his little pistol and you could stand right there at that starting line and run in place for hours and get nowhere. It'll wear you out. You'll have made zero progress. Unless you have on one of these fancy watches that tracks your activity and then it'll show you the calories that you burn. But you're not making any forward progress. You're just standing there wasting your time and energy. Now, Now hang on. You can stand at that starting line and they can tell you here's the route and the finish line is down there. And when bang goes the starter pistol, you can turn around and run with all you've got the other direction. And again, you can expend a lot of energy, but it won't be effective. Hebrews 12 and verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. There are folks that say, well... There's really nothing to this Christian life. There's no purpose. There's no, and I, I'm, I beg to differ. The Word of God says much about this. There is a definite purpose. There is a delightful prize. There needs to be now a patience as we run this race. It is worth it to not only be in the race, but to continue running the race. And that brings us to number four. There's a disciplined persistence. There is a disciplined persistence. Verse 27, Paul says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Notice the words. Paul says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. He's not in shackles and chains here. There's not anybody forcing him here. It's a willing decision on his part. You call that self-discipline. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And I tell you tonight, it's good to support others in their race. It's good to steer others toward the finish line, but you do yourself no good if you don't stay in the race too. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 again. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Think with me for a moment about these witnesses. You would have some that have completed their race. And guess what? They've found out that it's worth it. So, so you've got some who've run their race, who compass us about. There is a cloud of witnesses of those who've gone on before and have, have run the race with patience by faith through the grace and mercy of God. And they hit the, their finish line in their race. And it's worth it. And they know it. And they're watching. You and me. Some have completed uh, some are some have completed their race. Some are currently in the race, and trusting that it's worth it. You say, "Who's that?" You and me. We're currently in the race, and what are we doing? We're. I sure hope it'll be worth it all when we see Christ. You know, I, I hope this is all, how many, think with me now, how many times, don't, don't answer with a number, how many times in your own personal life have you been doing something for the Lord and living for the Lord and, and just going on in this race for the Lord, walking closely with Him, and maybe in your mind or maybe somebody else even says to you, is this really worth it? Is it worth, you don't have to do all that. Is it really worth it to do? Yeah. See, we have the testimony of those who've already finished their race. And as we look at that and we can encourage each other that are currently still in our race, but wait, there's one more group. There's a group now that are considering entering the race And they really don't know if it's worth it. That brings us to a question. The point is this. Others are watching. And the question is, when they see you, when they see me, do they see a victim or a victor? When, when, When others see your life, What do they see? Someone that walks around all day long with the lip dragging their footsteps, you know, out from the the path. And just, you know, lip way back there. We're at a wedding a couple weeks ago and the bride came down and and she had this, you know, long, the veil came down in this kind of long train. And I was like, man, that's some people's bottom lip. It's just dragging way back there. You know, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Where's Brother Frank to go? Oh. (laughs) Others are watching. And when they see your life, when they see my life, do they see this race as worth it? Uh, Do they see uh, that we know that there's a delightful prize? Do they see that we're living our life with diligent patience? Do they see, do they know that we realize that there's a definite purpose why we live the life that we live? And do they see a disciplined persistence? 
one of the things that and this this hits not just in in uh, the Christian life, but this hits in everyday life. You think about the world around us right now. Man, there is no reliability anymore. I mean, just a few months ago when we uh, were looking to have the, the siding replaced on the building and I, I was talking with the, the fellow who owns the company there and he said, this is when we're going to come do it and I hope to be there on this day. This is what he said. If the workers show up. And, and he said, I'm having the hardest time finding people that'll just show up. Wait a minute. Let's think about that in our spiritual life. You say, well, well, preacher, it's your job to show up. No. It's your job too. It's all of our jobs as we walk with the Lord to have now a diligent persistence uh, uh, and, and a dedication now uh, to the things of God because, hey, it matters in our life that we walk with the Lord. There ought to be some persistence there. There ought to be some discipline uh, in our lives as we live for the Lord. Well, I'm not just say, well, somebody else will do it. Not if God's called you to do it. You ought to do it. Do you realize if you don't do it, the blessings of God that you'll miss out on as a result? You say, preacher, you can really get blessings out of uh, putting a plunger in the toilet? You have no idea. You say, well, I don't see them here. Wait, are you living for the corruptible or the incorruptible? See, we're to lay treasures up in heaven. Remember, He's worthy. And it's worth it for us now to walk with the Lord. That brings us to number five. And the meat of the message, so to speak, tonight. But it's this. There is a determined price. And here's the thing. It's the same for you as it is for me. And it's the same for you and me as it was for the Apostle Paul and for the people in the church here at Corinth as he writes to them. It's the same for all of us. There is a determined price. You say, what is it? Verse 25 again. And every man, so that's every person, that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. It's going to cost us something to continue in the race. And the cost is found in the matter of self-control. And it's for everyone and it's for everything. Now remember with me tonight, we've uh, just go back and, and, and catch a couple thoughts from previous weeks. God desires that His children are happy, but finding happiness is not the prize. Finding happiness is a byproduct of faithfully following the Lord. Happiness also is not a result of our circumstances, but the result of continued reliance upon the Lord. I'll show this to you in just a moment. But the Bible says in Psalm 144 and verse 15, Psalm 144, verse 15, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. 
So you say, just, just, just look at the wording there. When God holds the right spot in my life, when I seek Him first, when I put Him first, when I follow Him closely, when I listen to His Word, when I talk to Him often, when God is in the place that He needs to be as Lord, as controller of my life. Happiness is the byproduct. Happiness is the byproduct. If you don't believe that tonight, well, you just read your Bible. It's in there. Psalm 146, verse 5. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. I was talking with somebody about this not too long ago, but... uh, it, it always baffles me, folks that have zero relationship with God. They they don't they don't care to know God. They don't really care about the Lord. And then disaster happens in their life. Look, you know you, and I know me, and we about come unglued, and we've got the Lord on. on we're on His side. Where would we be if we didn't have the Lord to help us? If we didn't have confidence in the Lord. I don't know how people live their life that way. I really don't. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. Proverbs 16 and verse 20. The Bible says, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. There's an expense required to have the proper activities in our life that produce now happiness and also an expense to live our lives by these principles. Now, we, we, we've talked about these different verses tonight, and I want you to think about this. We are now in another year, one of these, it's every four years, the Summer Olympics is coming. So, you know, if that blows away your TV watching, I'm, I'm sorry. But the, the Summer Olympics are coming. And you know, in the Summer Olympics, they have all those track and field events and all those different, you know, foot races and uh, relay races and hurdles, and those are always fun. And high jump and long jump and this and that and the other thing. I wish they'd bring back the, the you know, like the throwing the javelin and all, all the good stuff. Now they got badminton. <laughs> hey, you go watch some of that Olympic quality badminton. It, it'll absolutely blow your mind. I didn't know you could hit those things that hard. Every time I ever tried to hit one of those that hard, it always got stuck in the, you know, I guess I didn't have an expensive enough racket. But I want you to think a minute about the Olympics. Do you know that the people that are going to be participants in those contests for our country that will represent the United States and those that will represent all the other nations of the world, they don't walk out there for the first time in the opening ceremony. They have spent months, wait, years prior conditioning themselves for these contests. Now, you see, we don't ever really hear about all of that. 
But there's a preparation. Why? Because there's a prize. And there's a delightful prize. It's that gold medal when you get to stand up there on the top uh, tier of the podium and stand there and have the national anthem play. You know, there's, there's some pride that comes along with that, that you, you know, performed and that you won your race. You're not going to show up in, what is it? It's in Los Angeles this year, I think that's what they said. I don't know. It's in France. Well, that's in Los Angeles. <laughs> Close enough, east side, east side. They got an Eiffel Tower in Tennessee. I mean, I've been there. It's only about 60 feet tall, but it's there. In Paris, Tennessee, no less. But I digress. Um, an awful tower? <laughs> Think with me now. Wherever the Olympics is this year, there's not a single one of you that's going to buy a ticket and travel to Paris and walk out there on opening ceremony day and say, I'm running the race tomorrow. You ain't ready. Let me help you. You're not winning. There's no... Have you seen some of these people run? I don't know how they do it. You watch the video. Their head doesn't even move. Them legs are just going. And the head, their their head, it it doesn't move up and down or side to side. It's just... I'm like, how in the world? I know how. They've worked on it for a long, long time to perfect that. They've practiced. I've said it before. There'll be, you know, what, what we have, the, the, the Super Bowl in football will be coming up. You're not walking on the team that day and getting out on the field. There's going to be some practice. And, and yet we, we somehow, sometimes, many times, take our Christianity like, you know what? I don't need any practice. I don't need any, um, you know, I, I don't need to have done anything. But all of a sudden... Put me in the game, coach. I'm going to put on a uniform, and I'm going to get in there and get busy. And what's going to happen is you're going to get wrecked. Yeah, the prize is still there, but there's got to be. There's got to be some patience. There's got to be some preparation. There's got to be now some principles in our life. And Paul says that we are to learn to control ourselves. Verse 25, is temperate in all things. Now here's some things that you know, but we'll just get reminded of tonight. You cannot control others. Neither can I. Don't even try. Don't even be one of them manipulative people. But the truth of the matter is you can't control anybody else. You have a hard enough time controlling your own self. Amen. Amen. Well, it's bigger than that. It's not only you can't control others, you can't control the circumstances. There's some other things that along the way you'll find that you can't control, but what you can do is control your own reactions, control your own attitude, control your own behavior, 
And that's what Paul is speaking of when he says, be temperate. Maybe tonight you'd say, preacher, I struggle with that. Me too. You want to see my membership card? I'm in that club. We, we do. We, we wrestle with our flesh. But I, now I want you to think about something. This matter of being temperate. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is, capital S, Holy Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It's important that you realize that. See, temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a God-cultivated characteristic that grows and matures as we continue depending upon Him. In this matter, in our spiritual life of having the temperance that Paul is talking about here, we're not going to generate that on our own. Well, we can have a little bit, but we'll fail in and of ourselves. It's a fruit that is produced by God in the life of a believer. Now think with me about the conflict that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. There's the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And to feed one is to forsake the other. In Galatians 5 and verse 16, walk in the Spirit, capital S again. What does that mean? Walk with God. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the question. Are we willing to pay the price? Uh, now to endure the expense of walking with God or will we choose to wallow in the garbage of sin? Think about the picture again that Paul portrays here in our text. This example of this physical marathon. The runner cannot control the conditions. He cannot control the course. He cannot control the competitors. He cannot control the critics. He cannot control the cheerleaders. But the runner's focus is on his footsteps along the way and the finish line ahead and that's it. The runner that wants to finish... The runner that wants to win has to have the self-control to prepare physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and must have the self-control to proceed faithfully amidst the distractions and difficulties faced along the way. In this walk of life, this race of faith that you and I are to run, we too should be willing to sacrifice some things along the way simply because of the importance of the race. See, the runner who doesn't prepare right won't finish right. The runner who doesn't proceed right won't finish right. And if we aren't willing to exchange our feelings and opinions for the truth of God's Word and the trust now of His will, we'll remain victims instead of realizing victory. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man. You want to know what the prize is here? The end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12. Well, what about Proverbs chapter 3 and 
Verse number 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If we won't subject our footsteps to God's sure-footed principles, we'll stumble and fall instead of seeing the finish. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 5, The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. What does that mean? We need help. Say, where do we get the help? Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. The interesting thing about that verse, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So there's two people there. There's the person and there's God. And it goes on to say, and he delighteth in his way. You say, who is that talking about? Both of them. The one that takes the ordered steps of the Lord, guess what? They're going to find their way delightful. And the one that takes those steps that are ordered by the Lord, the Lord is going to see that as delightful as well. So truly, there is a delightful prize. If we lose sight of the coming finish line, if we lose sight of the promised prize that awaits, we will stop to focus on the here and now instead of living for the sweet by and by. The expense, what is it? Temperance, self-control. I'll give you a couple of things here, three things. If you and I are going to walk in victory in this matter of temperance, three things. Number one, lay aside the selfishness and sin. Lay aside the selfishness and sin. Hebrews chapter 12 again, verse 1, let us lay aside every weight. Notice that says every weight. What's that? The things that are dragging you down, that are weighing you down, that are holding you back. Have you ever uh, seen a tractor pull? They hook these tractors up to this big weighted sled and the more they go, the heavier that thing gets because the more it digs in, you know, to the ground. And boy, they just sure do expend a lot of effort. But what happens to all of them? Eventually they stop. And all the energy that they waste, they don't move another bit. They're done. Let us lay aside every weight. Do you understand? Now, he goes on to say, and the sin you realize that it doesn't have to be a sin to be a weight in your life you can have things in your life that you're holding on to that you're carrying around not necessarily sin but they're certainly keeping you from running the race that you should run so number one lay aside the selfishness and sin number two this one's simple. Look at the Savior. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus. 
You know how many messes we would avoid in our life if we simply just look to Jesus first. Looking unto Jesus, why? He's the author and finisher of our faith. Number three is this. Live by His strength. Oh, you're going to have to lay some things aside. There's your matter of self-control. You're going to have to look at the Savior. There's a matter of self-control. You're going to have to discipline yourself to do these things. And the third one, live by His strength. Verse 3 of Hebrews 12 says, Consider Him that endured, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Two questions for us. Who are you willing to give control to? And the second question is, what are you willing to continue for? See, you can fight or you can go ahead and faint. You can look to the Savior or you can simply live for yourself. You can be a victor or you can go on as a victim. So I encourage you with four things tonight as we quickly step right back through the text that we started with. These four things. I want to encourage you tonight, these four things. Keep running the race. Whatever you do, don't quit. Just keep running the race. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 9 says, So run that ye may obtain. Doesn't say quit. Doesn't say stop. Says run. You say, "But, but you don't understand. I fell down. Get back up again and keep going. And get a band-aid for your boo-boo later. So run that you may obtain. Encourage you with this. Keep striving for the reward. Verse 25, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Hey, we've got an inheritance. Incorruptible and undefiled. Reserved in heaven for you. Keep striving for the reward. Keep fighting. For the faith. I'm here to tell you tonight, as this world drifts farther and farther away from God, the fight is going to get harder and harder along the way. But let me encourage you, keep your eyes on the Lord and don't quit. Keep running the race. Keep striving for the reward. Keep fighting for the faith. Verse 26, So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Do the things you do for God on purpose for His purpose. And then this last one, keep yielding to the Lord. Verse 27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I close with this statement. Indeed we see And when it comes to this race that we run in our life, this race we run with patience, this uh, walk of faith, this life uh, that we live for the Lord. Now, yes, indeed, there is an expense, but it will certainly be worth it all when we see Christ. Let's pray this evening.